It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop game design with Jason and It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February nineteenth, and you're listening to episode six hundred and twelve. As always, I am your host, Jason. Here today, here today, joined by two awesome people. Emily Vincent and Clarence Simpson. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Hey. Hey. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. yeah. Happy to have you. At Emily's request, though I don't really need her request to have you on because uh, <laughs> I like talking to you as well. But I want to give credit where credit's due. So. Sweet. This is my brainchild. So this is this is my fault is what you're saying. Whatever uh, happens Only next. if it doesn't go well. Otherwise, yeah. I will happily take credit for it. Um so uh but hey how's everybody been doing so <laughs> what's up with everybody yeah i, I mean on my end let's see I, i'm trying to think uh i guess i guess i could talk about tantrum con that was a couple of weeks ago that was yeah. uh that was really good uh it's become kind of like a favorite local convention where i i can actually go and feel kind of chill about things right like i feel like i can sit down and actually play some stuff um but it's also pulling in a bunch of people from all over the country and uh, kind of a, an, a, an odd number of publishers being there um, for, for the size of it, like a thousand people. Um, and yeah. also the only con I, I'm aware of that has a table flipping competition. That's the thing they do. I'm wow. sorry, like actual Like, like a literal, literal table, literal flip up in the air uh, competition. Literal table, literal so- flip. Are you trying to get it to land back on its feet? Do the most rotations? What's the what's so the they competition? Have, they part? have right. So they have two pairs of people, two tables, each with a pair of people, and they simultaneously flip the table. And then it's like uh, I think it's audience um, cheering to see who mm-hmm. who who wins the competition. So not table flipping, but it does make me think of Buffalo Bills fans who jump through tables. Um, <laughs> And I feel like that also has crowd cheering and and escalating escalating right. things. But interesting. All right. Yeah. Table flipping competition. I also feel like if you're fl- if you're jumping through tables, that is already escalated. Like that's already- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you gotta like but then they like set the table on fire or they like jump from the top of a big snowdrift. It's a whole it's a whole Buffalo Bills thing. It's yeah. It's it's part of the fandom. Um but now I wanna go find YouTube videos of table flipping yeah, they've got look, yeah, look for the tantrum con, con recaps. They've got uh, videos of the table flipping on there. Uh, oh, also, fun fact I heard from uh, uh, one of their the tantrum house videos recently. They just moved to a new hotel, and they said that the hotel would not sign a multi-year deal with them to host the con because of their name, Tantrum Con. Oh. They wanted to see what it was before they were like, okay, right, you can come back. And exactly. Then they, and, then in, and then they flipped tables to ensure that they would not get invited back? Was that the plan? Maybe. The table flipping is, is a very small percentage of the con, so maybe maybe they didn't see that part. You know, though, like, if somebody came in and, like, set a table on fire, that would arguably be a small percentage of the con. But might be a reason you're not invited back. Fair point. I don't think you should set things on fire inside places. I just feel like that's that's a poor choice. I'm just going to throw that out there. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, Emily. <laughs> so, you um, know, it's it's funny, Clarence, real quick. So John was on last week, and he talked a bit about Tantrum Con, too. And I, it's so shocking to me, like how small of a con it is, but like how many people do show up from everywhere. And I, it's uh, weird. I, I yeah. super want to go. Like I, when I first heard about it, I mean, I was like, I don't know anything about tantrum house, like and the stuff they do. And like, I don't like, you know, like it wasn't, I, it's not, I wasn't against it. I just didn't know anything about it. So I was like, Oh, it's a small con. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, it's so great. You got to go. And like, and that's just, I'm consistently hearing that. So yeah, they're they're Yeah. They've got some good people running it, throwing on, uh, you know, planning a bunch of good events and stuff bringing in a lot of people well i mean you know the table flippers association has got to be there <laughs> where's chris show when you need him right i mean like right. like i feel like he should be hosting that literally he's at table flips you so yeah 
What have you been up to, Emily? Anything nearly as exciting as everything Clarence just described? Not nearly as exciting. I've been uh, busy traveling for work, and I know you're going to be shocked here. Busy preparing for Gamma, because that what? apparently never stops. Um, I did finally place my final order of stuff from Vistaprint. So I've got, you know, all these business cards and uh, little little handouts come in my direction. Um, and I think the very last thing I need to do other than finish my uh, Tetris packing is to figure out like when I need to take the stuff that I'm shipping to the UPS store such that it arrives at the hotel before I get there, but not so before that the hotel is like, who's this person? And when's she checking in? Right. Like I need it to arrive perfectly. And I think I got to like go to the UPS store this weekend to like do a test, a test run of like, so if I brought this to you on a Saturday, when would it make it to Louisville? Yeah, this is, this is my life now. And um, yeah, but this weekend, this weekend, I'm going to do game design stuff and I'm very excited about it. Um, because I don't have to do any more graphic design for Gamma, because that's done. That um, is nice. Yeah. But uh, the other cool thing is I'm sort of deep in development on Knitting Circle right now. And so that's been interesting to pull that one back out and start, like, looking at it from different sides and trying new stuff. And it's it's interesting just because I've never done a sort of, like, deep dive into, like, development. And um, mm-hmm. it's kind of wild, right? We're trying, like, really wild, crazy things that I suspect some of it won't won't make it in but um it's just been a while since i was like let's go really i saw the box on this game um and we're trying some of that and it's fun and with other people right which is which is kind of cool uh because i do so much game design by myself are you gonna do a do a solo mode working on anything like that uh yeah i think there's an idea for a one player mode i did not have it uh one of (laughs) one of the developer people had it and it's good so i love it um yeah so maybe maybe it'll play one to four instead of two to four. Nice. Yeah. I uh, I recently you said it's in Louisville, and I recently heard a comedian talking about like saying names of cities, and he's like, and I said Louisville, and everybody's like, it's Louisville, like, and he's mm. like, I'm trying to say it, and like, they just keep going Louisville because <laughs> they really do say Louisville, Louisville. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, but he did, like, a five-minute bit on it, just screaming, <laughs> repeatedly, as a drunken an audience would scream at him, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, that, that sounds about right, yeah, that tracks. I mean, there's just so many, there's all these towns up here in, uh, like, Massachusetts that have that, of, like, is it Waltham or Waltham, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I do that one wrong every single time, uh, but, like, the one that I know down in Virginia Lots of people who are not from around there say Norfolk. I'm going to Norfolk. I'm like, it's Norfolk. Just just to be clear, it's Norfolk. <laughs> That's all. I can see why people mispronounce that one. Yeah. So... I mean, they pronounce it how it's spelled, Norfolk. But beg yeah. to differ. Yeah. I knew somebody whose last name was K-O-K. Oh. And it was pronounced like you would think it was pronounced, but um, they would say cock. I'm like, that's not, that is not how it's spelled. That's C-A-U-L-K. That is cock. <laughs> that is not what your name is. Uh, but I feel you. So, yeah. Also, he was a pastor, so that made it twice as funny. So, And his first name also made it funnier, too, but I'm not going to say that because he's a real person. <laughs> so that's that's pretty just... identifying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> is this person's and, uh, actual But anyways, yeah, it's just kind of funny. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of garbage. So uh, let's move on to a topic. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you guys had some great stuff to here. say. I had some uh, some garbage. Uh, but no, I want to want to move into this topic because uh, because frankly, uh, Emily talks a lot. So want to just make sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Y'all, I'm just tired. That's I'm just tired today, and uh, I'm feeling a little a little punchy. So. Um, but yeah, so Emily, you want to introduce this topic? This yeah. is your idea. It's a cool topic. It is. So um, this topic came up at uh, PAX Unplugged, and I think I was talking to Clarence about it in passing, but I might have been talking to someone else about it in passing because I was like living it during PAX someone's Unplugged. Someone's going to listen to this um, episode and be like, that was me. I was supposed to be on that episode. I know. Um, but uh, so at PAX Unplugged, I did, you know, I did the Unpub Room. 
where I feel like we get a lot of um, designers, game designers as playtesters. And, you know, everything that we do sort of in the off hours is also with game designers. Um, but then I also demoed out on the hall uh, where I was just sort of getting people who play games and they were just swinging by. Um, and it, it sort of hit me like very viscerally the difference between what I was learning by watching people try to play the game on the demo hall and what I was learning in the playtest that I was doing in the unpub room and what I was learning in the playtest that I was doing um, in the evenings and sort of how, how different they were. Um, and, and to be honest, made me want to do more, find ways to do more playtesting in spaces like the demo hall with like unsuspecting players, but um, that's kind of jumping, jumping to the end. Um, like, we're like, they were just like sitting at a table and you're like, Hey, you want to play this totally published game that I didn't design? Oh, just kidding. It's a prototype. <laughs> well, I mean, they're walking by a booth where they could like buy a game and they're like, Ooh, what's this? It looks fun. And they sit down and I'm like, yeah, those aren't real cards yet. It's cool. You're going to play this. It's great. It's, it's a real game. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was just curious to talk about like what you guys see as the difference between, you know, different types of play testers and maybe a little bit about how to find them and stuff like that. Um, so that was the, that's the topic. Um, I have tons of opinions on this, uh, like loads. So I'm going to go last. <laughs> I'm going to let y'all say <laughs> stuff first and then I'll throw my, just spam my opinions out there. Sure. Um, so I I will just uh, tee up what it was that I loved about the folks on the hall, right? Um, which were, which was it reminded me of the joy of the game. Like it was a moment where someone sat down and they were like, this is a game about pirates. I'm going to play it. They weren't sort of worried about or thinking about like what might be broken. Like they were just there to experience the game. And I had sort of been in a place where I was like, I don't even know if this is fun anymore. I don't even know. Right. I'm like, so in my head about it. And so to just watch players experience the game as a game without, without them knowing that like they were on the spot to provide feedback about it um, was just a really great way for me to understand where the game was from like a player experience that I feel like I was struggling to get in what I'd call more formalized playtesting spaces. Um, so that was a piece that I really enjoyed about, about playtesting on the hall. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to toss over to Clarence now with that yeah, one I mean, thrown out. No, I've definitely, I have definitely absolutely felt that similar kind of feeling in the past. And I, I ended up like kind of marinating it on it uh, in my head and, and the kind of trying to condense it down into like a, maybe a shareable nugget of wisdom and the way i think of it now is you test with designers to see how bad your game is and you test with the general public to see how good your game is yes Ooh, i like that that is like i hope you all enjoyed this conversation yeah tonight. it's done <laughs> like, episode <laughs> done that was i mean like i challenge <laughs> someone to say something better than that say that again clarence just just to really because <laughs> that's really really good Test with designers to see how bad your game is and test with the general public to see how good your game is. Like if that, if you told me that that was in a book, I would believe you. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is real good advice. Yeah. Wow. That is, I, so, you know, I was, when I was showing, um, I was testing, uh, sushi after dark at, uh, um, uh, PAX? PAX Unplugged, yeah. On PAX, okay. It was PAX, yeah. And I was testing it, and the first playtest I did was with all designers. And two of the designers had been designing games for a very long time. Lots of stuff out there. Lots of opinions about stuff, which is great. And they played it, and the one of them especially was like, I don't get it. Like, this needs a lot more. It's just, it's, it's, it just isn't that good. Like, it's not. And I was like, wow, like, this was my first like public play test with it. And I was like, Oh, so then I played it with some newer designers who really were approaching it as players. Right. And they were like, this is, this is quite fun. And then I started playing it with play testers, just like randos walking in. And they were like, 
this is really fun. Like they really like dug it. They got it and they were experiencing this joy with it. And I was like, there it is. Like, that's the audience, right? Like this does need work, but like, that's the audience. Like, you know, um, and realizing like having a, like a, a game designer who likes to do, you know, more serious stuff or, you know, thinkier stuff. This was not the game for them. And, and you have to remember that. Right. Um, so that right there, I mean, that literally is an example of, they told me how bad it was. And then the, uh, uh, and some of the things they said were absolutely correct. To be clear, I'm not saying their their feedback wasn't good, um, but yeah, listening to the other people, really, it was like here's the joy in your game. So yeah. What other what other nuggets of wisdom do you have there, Clarence? I don't know. We didn't even let <laughs> you like finish. One. You're like, I like I, I dropped it. it. I guess. Yeah. No, it's amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, I think um, it, it's interesting because I think uh, like we can we can kind of like look i think it's worth talking about you know some some early advice a lot of new designers get which is find a design group and mm-hmm. play test with them right which is really great advice early on especially if you're the type of designer that's you know just tested with friends and family right because friends and family it's really hard for them to be unbiased and give you really honest critical feedback and so when you're like at that stage of the design process having a bunch of designers um can be really valuable because the designers like they they know the industry they know the market trends right they know how to solve common design problems and they have this a toolbox full of mechanisms that can can help you out when you're when you're first starting and and one like really one really good thing that designers are good at is like being able to see through a really rough prototype into the finished product that it can be one day whereas you know the general public might bounce off of something that's just you know hand scribbled notes on cards. Um, and so like that, that's, that's all great. But I think the mistake some designers make is like, they, they just remember that advice forever and just test with designers forever. And uh, especially if you're doing like lighter games that target a casual audience, designers may not be that audience at all, you know? Designers are typically gamers, but they 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 lean towards you know certain kind of categories of gamers uh, in the sense that they're they're probably you know more tolerant of complexity and uh, you know understand more of genre assumptions and terminology uh, you know that sort of stuff that you know the general public might bounce off of a little more easily. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think for you know for some of that uh that advice we all give and get um for new designers right the sort of you know you should always cut you should always cut i feel like when i play test with designers they're really good at suggesting stuff to add Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which they sure are (laughs) they i mean we (laughs) yes they we me right um and i think that is the other thing right to your point clarence of like probably a lot of game designers can and do play more complex games. Um, That was another thing that as I was watching myself teach it to sort of like the general public, it's, they're not always able to pick things up as quickly, right? Like you say, all right, we're going to draft, right? And then you have to explain drafting, right? And, and so that was this interesting sort of transition for me from like, have I now added so much stuff that it's like great for a, uh, you know, an experienced hobby gamer, and that was maybe not the market I was going to. And so, just even looking at the difference in how long my teaches for a design group versus for a general public uh, group, that to me is really interesting because I I found myself s- struggling to teach some of the pieces because there was some complexity that was probably unnecessary for the the audience and the target that I was going for. And I, and I couldn't see that with the designers, right. Uh, mm-hmm. For as much as they were like, you can cut this, you can cut that. And it was like, but this complex part, that's great. Right. <laughs> Keep that. <laughs> you consider making it more complicated. Right. I, um, one of the things that I um, used to do when I, like when I would go to unpub, especially when I went to unpub when it was in Baltimore and like, they would get like 8 million play testers other than bring multiple games because you get bored of them. I, a lot of times, would have one game that my plan was to only play with designers in the evening. Um, 
and that that game I wanted to play with designers many times was not one of the games that I wanted to play with the general public. Um, and I learned that the hard way the first year when I brought a game that like the general public just didn't get, like it was, it was too hobby, you know, and this was, I mean, gosh, this was like 2014 or something maybe. So, you know, you have people like wandering into the Zun pub and like, um, like it just wasn't like, it was, it was a bad fit. You know, and I learned very quickly that like, you got to get that, you, you got to understand what audience you need testing it. Right. I mean, because otherwise you're just going to get the wrong feedback. That's not going to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Designers can be good though. I think sometimes in a later stage of saying, here's what you should cut, right? That's where you need designers who understand how to cut stuff. Right. And also don't care about your game at all. Like, because you know, it's why, like, I can't ever give good feedback to David Masnato because I don't want him to cut anything from his games because they're perfect. <laughs> Sorry, David. Um, <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah, and, and designers kind of along that same line, they're they're going to be generally better at, at identifying um, more, um, like, subtle problems that might be non-obvious to your average gamer. Things like, you know, balance issues or sources of downtime, that sort of thing. Um, not to interrupt, but I think the key to that is a lot of times playtesters will tell you what's wrong with the game and they're completely wrong about what's wrong with your game, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But something is wrong and they see that, but they don't know what it is. I think designers are better at saying, you know, that's not the problem. Like, sure, downtime is a problem. Like, you're sitting around bored, but that's because this other thing is broken, right? Mm -hmm. And the playtesters, like your your general public playtesters, are not going to catch that a lot of times. They don't have necessarily the language to explain that to you in a way that'll make sense. Does that make sense, or am I just wrong? No, that makes sense. Okay, I'm open to either, so. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's so much that's great about working with other designers right and I, I know we've talked about a bunch of it of they you know they can point out the the common traps and things like that and things that you might be stuck on um when we we're talking about cutting it's actually one of my games i've gotten to the point where when i'm testing with designers the question i'm asking at the end is okay you just played that what would you cut right like because i've 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 seen all the things that i have looked for right and i'm I, I think there's I think there's still a little bit too much. Um and but that's not a question I think I could ask a general public playtester. Right? Um Yeah. I think for a general public playtester, if you were gonna try and get that out of them, you would ask them like what was the least fun thing you did in this game, right? Like mm -hmm. really try and have them explain what they liked and what they didn't like. You know, what, what did you, what was most fun? What was least fun? And then look for commonalities in that. Like, okay, your average player doesn't like this part of the game. Could I cut that? Like, could I make that better? But yeah, asking what should I cut? That's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Being able to ask a designer that as a shortcut is, yeah. um, yeah is nice because i think i can also watch what did they not engage with right there's four tokens and they only ever used three of them right that kind of thing um uh but yeah so i have a i have a question for y'all um i feel like a lot of times because game designers are doing the same thing we're doing right they come up with ideas. They feel pretty strongly that they're right. I don't know. <laughs> what it never happened is to that, me. Is that your experience? And <laughs> and how does that compare to feedback you're getting from the general public? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think. You know, I, I think general public feedback tends to be more like feeling based, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm having fun or I'm not. I'm bored. I'm you know, this is taking too long or I don't feel powerful, you know, those kind of things. Yep. Um, and so I, it, I don't think you, you can make a really <clears throat> definitive statement about those things. Right. Whereas designers might be like, um, you know, 
you need another deck of cards for this. This mm-hmm. deck needs to be two decks of cards, right? Because they're giving very specific feedback that they feel very strongly about because that's what they would do if they had your game. Yeah. So I had one uh, one piece of feedback from a designer who might be listening, and if so, I love you. Um, this is not this is not criticism in any way. Uh, wow. Ouch. But <laughs> <laughs> no, they said they said that um, what I was doing in my game was very similar to a, you know, a mechanic that exists and, and they felt it kind of, they, I think the words they used were it broke the social contract of that mechanic. Right. And so it was, it was, um, I think it was about like a, an action, action selection worker placement sort of thing where in, in pirates, right. You select your actions and then you go in that order of the actions themselves and so you might select first but if you chose the action that goes last you will do your action last and they Mm -hmm. felt like that sort of broke their model of the whole point of going first is that you get to go first right and so and and i'm not uh, but like i guess well i'm just i I wish i could have heard that obviously i didn't say it um but um (laughs) no like i think what's confusing to me about it is and i'm sorry i just jumped in but like what i think is confusing to me about it is like i feel like that's how a lot of like role selection game work right where like i which is the same as action selection like i get to pick first but i may not go first i mean like citadels comes to mind where like you have all these choices and like you might pick the assassin because you want to go first but Mm -hmm. otherwise you're picking the thing you want, and that doesn't let you go first. That's how it's balanced. Also, my game Haphazard Cadabra has that. So, yeah, <laughs> I completely it's... agree with you. I don't think it's so, bad feedback. I'm just confused no. by it. Yeah, but so I had I had that feedback. I had I had been doing some um, an earlier version of that. I got feedback from someone else that I was doing worker selection or worker placement in a way that was. Um, that didn't feel like worker placement to them, right? Like I think mm-hmm. it, I was doing something with dice, and but when you rolled the dice versus when you placed them was like a little bit off from from what you conventionally see. And so I'm, I, I you know, I don't think either of those feedbacks were bad, and they made me look more closely at was what I was doing sort of intentionally off the norm for mm-hmm. a reason. Or had I just like done a sloppy job and and made something that was almost almost a thing, but maybe there were lessons learned in the sort of standard ways of doing it, and so it it made me like look a little bit closer at that, um, but also at the same time i I needed to balance that feedback with go find someone like a general public person to play it and be like, "But is it fun right so right. even if it's not quite standard, maybe it's still fun. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Right. Cause I, I, I don't know. I find it interesting. I actually think that like, if it was like breaking the social contract or kind of breaking the norm of what you would expect with yeah. something. And that was in a bad way that your average game player would actually be confused by it. Right. Like they're more likely to be, you know what I mean? Confused by that. If it's something that's standard that you see in a lot of games, now, obviously something like, action selection i think is a little more likely to be in a hobby game than like a party game um but i i can be wrong i think in the way i'm thinking of it being a little more complex right like what i've played in pirates yeah um but i don't think it's i don't think it's bad feedback at all i mean i think it is no, it's feedback. Not. it's supposed to make you think and say hey why does this person feel this way about this right yeah um, and and they were and, identifying something that people were getting really stuck on right which was that you pick up your meeple you place it and then you want to do the thing. And I had set it up of there's a whole selection round and then there's a whole do it round. And I still have people who their instinct is to put their meeple down and start doing the thing that they just chose. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's something there. Sorry. I interrupted right. you, Jason. <laughs> All I was going to say was, I think that this is a situation to me where it sounds like you got feedback that identified what wasn't the problem, but that there was a problem, right? It's mm-hmm. saying, this is the problem. Or saying there is a problem, but like that may not be the exact reason why. It's just confusing, and you just need to figure out a better way to make it obvious, right? So yeah. I don't know what that way is. I don't have any ideas for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the kind of thing where like I think if I had 
experienced that kind of system, I, I wouldn't have thought it was weird because I've seen other games do that. And, and you know, feedback's mm-hmm. very subjective, but doesn't doesn't make it wrong, right? Like, so yeah. just because that person saw that and maybe has never seen another game do that, it, then it's weird to them. And that is also a signal to us that, you know, other people out there will think it's weird. So anything, you know, to smooth over those bumpy edges is is maybe at least worth looking into when you say it that way it does make sound like feedback i would have given because so many times i'm like this is totally new and they're like this is in this game and that game and that game and i'm like i've (laughs) literally never heard of those games so yeah (laughs) maybe it was me (laughs) it was it was not you um no but it was it was good feedback right because they were able to articulate something that i think i was seeing in the playtest, and so in both those cases when those designers were like this feels too close but not quite close enough right yeah um to me that's a that's a does it need to be all the way close or a little bit further away it's like right? the uncanny valley of mechanism, mechanical yes. systems, right? Oh my yes. gosh, you are just killing it tonight with these <laughs> statements. Boom. That's what it is, right? They're they're able to, yes, articulate that. Um I I also think switching topics a little bit here, uh, to what Jason just said about the, you know, it's like this game and that game. I feel like designers are much better at um telling you other games that you should play that would be relevant that aren't just like the exact same thing right because i've i've picked up games that you know other people have told me to play and i'm like i see the like five point red string line that got them from my game to this game Mm -hmm. but like it's so far away that you're like i don't think that the standard playing public would would sort of connect them um right yeah. Oh, go ahead, Clarence. You go ahead. I oh, I, I was just gonna say, yeah, like that's something I do all the time uh, in feedback is like constantly give people like, hey, have you played this? Have you played this? Uh, to the point that maybe it's obnoxious, but um, yeah, like I'm I'm always trying to look for those connections because like that's the way I would want to do it as a designer. I would want to know the games that are out there that are similar in some way and see like look at what they did and why it works or why it was popular or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. that stuff is is very helpful to me i think yeah i was just gonna say that i don't mind feed, like i appreciate feedback that's like hey have you played this this reminds me of this um what i don't like and it doesn't sound like this is what you do but if you do hey that's okay uh is when somebody's like go play this game go play this game go like i'm like that is it like it just it's tough, right? Because there's a reason that most of it, like a lot of people haven't played as many games, right? Is we don't always have the time or the access to do that, right? And so like, I don't like saying, go play these different games, right? I actually one time had somebody say, have you played this? I said, no. I said, I've never even heard of it. They said, listen, don't, don't go play it. They were like, just go look up the thing on YouTube or whatever and watch how you play it and just take a peek at it and see if it, if, if you feel like there's, like they seem to solve this problem you have. Like, and I was like, that's great. But like, when somebody says go play this game, you could not give me less actionable feedback because I will never go play that game. Uh, unless I actually one time had somebody say you should play this. You know what? Hold on. And we, they went to the board game library, grabbed it, and we sat down and played it. And I was like, this is great. Like, can we do this every time? Yeah, that's my soapbox about that. But I don't. I don't think it's. I, I like when people say, have you played this? Because I think that is important to know that there's stuff out there. I agree with you, Clarence, that like knowing what's out there and knowing if it is, you know, too similar or, or not. That always terrifies me that I'm going to design games that are already yeah. out there and get so far down the process and then be really bummed when I have to take it back. Yeah. And, and for what it's worth, whenever I'm doing that kind of research, I'm, I'm almost never actually playing those games i'm i'm watching the youtube right. videos or that makes sense yeah whatever yeah yeah and i think that's a just a also important reminder to folks of like when someone says have you played this game they're probably not judging you right i know i had to i had to have that uh feelings journey early on well have you played this game and i was like no i haven't Sometimes played that game when rob and i first started <laughs> doing this podcast and we're in we're uh designing and stuff 
somebody legit, a like a designer that had a lot of games out there. I'm not gonna say who they are. Um but they were like, you should maybe stop designing games for a while and go play some more games because you clearly haven't played enough games to design games. And I was like, okay, well, you are a dick. Like, I don't know what else to say about that. Like, that's just rude. Uh, and uh, and yeah, like, but this was like somebody in the industry that people know. And like, that made me sad that they were that way, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So anyways, I do think in that case, like, some people are judging you. But I think for the most part, they're like Clarence, right? They're just saying, like, hey, you should look at this game. Yeah. All right. I'm 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 expecting Clarence to drop some additional, like, bombs of wisdom on us from over here. Yeah. I mean, the only the, – another thing I was going to say about getting feedback from designers, which we've kind of touched on a little bit, right? One thing that's problematic, I think, towards the end uh, of the development of a game is that designers always, always, always have opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, I'm, I'm thinking back on hundreds of playtests I've done with designers, and I can think of maybe twice where they said something like, no notes, this is good, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, that's eventually... You, you get to the point where you're not making the game better. You're just making it different. Oh, see, you know? there it is again. Gosh. <laughs> we should have just had Clarence come out and say these, these Clarence's or whatever Ted they talk. are. <laughs> like... But, I mean, yeah, like, so designers, they, they just have this natural desire to, like, try and shape games into what they personally want to, to, to make. And that's, I, I think, not helpful towards the end where you're 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 just like massaging and tweaking little things and and they want to like say have you thought about making this a deck builder you know at the end (laughs) right you know though like well those that yeah that huge pivot that late in the stage is not great but like i do feel like there's this social contract right to use that terminology that emily threw out there earlier that i like like that when you say to me, hey, game designer Jason, will you play test this game and give me your thoughts? If I say, like, every time I've ever said, like, this is, like, don't change anything. Like, David, you've done it again. You've made another perfect game. Like, don't change anything. <laughs> um, like, I feel guilty about that, right? Because, and I'm sure other designers, too, you've asked me to give you thoughts and feedback. And I'm like, no notes. This is perfect. Um, that... Like, I, do you think that's part of it that people feel pressured, or do you think we're just all a bunch of opinionated jerks who want to get our stuff in there? I mean, I think I would be happy to get that kind of feedback. Yeah, the, the I would notes. too. But I, I mean, do you feel though pressured when you play someone's game? Oh, to give, to the, give feedback? the feedback. Um, I don't think so. I mean, usually when I give feedback, it's because like something's just you know not quite sitting right with me. Mm-hmm. I have definitely been that person that said, no notes. Yes, you need to be right. pitching this game. Like go talk to this guy over here. I'll introduce you, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, the but, best feedback you can give. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I would say I feel pressure to it. Cause I, I, I just want to give kind of my honest opinion on it. Maybe that's just Emily. Do you feel like pressured? Like you have to give like, Maybe because Clarence is like, if I say something, it's going to be so good. And so just like, people are like, oh man, mic drop right there. You know, that he doesn't have to say something every time. I feel pressure to not seem like I wasn't paying attention. Right. Yes, so really good. So like, I want to, I want to say something useful and insightful, but I think I'm okay if, if what that is, is, you know, I really liked this mechanism because X, Y, and Z. Like, I think I can, I think I can get out of it by saying positive things that, that amount to no notes, but give a little bit more detail on why I liked the things that I liked in case that's useful for them. Right. Because they may think like, this is great because the theme of it is so wonderful. And I'm like, I really loved this critical decision. And they're like, didn't realize that we built that in there right like that that you know um or just if 
you know, it, I don't know. It gives me joy when someone's like, I really love the like trade off between this choice and that choice. And I'm like, you noticed. Oh, I feel seen. Right. Um, and so so that I think can be can be fun. Um, I, I think my my biggest fear is like every now and then I end up on like a late night online play test at like Protospiel Online or something like that. And I'm getting sleepy and I'm like worried I like fell asleep during part of the game and now I have nothing useful to say. I don't think I've ever fallen asleep during a, an online play test just for anyone that I played your game at Protospiel Online. Uh, but I get a little I get a little punchy late at night and I'm like, I got to have something meaningful. Uh, to say so i think um, that is the first time i've ever heard somebody say i feel pressure to give feedback because i don't want people to think i was sleeping during the (laughs) (laughs) i mean they know i wasn't sleeping i was playing the game i was moving my pieces and and making decisions but like (laughs) i'm not a night owl y'all it's it's fair it's fair i've had some similar kind of experiences where for whatever reason either either it's late or like I'm just not quite getting the game or understanding yeah. like the intentions of the systems and and we get to the end and I'm like I don't know like like something I I want to give some feedback because I think it needs something but I just have no clue that's that's the the pressure feeling I have where I I feel like I I want to say something because I think it needs something but I just I can't find it I can't put it together so so this is actually like I feel like we're edging up on like some stuff you get into when you start looking at like user experience design and any other sort of like design research, right? Um, which is that as humans, we really want like we we have this pressure, right? We want to you ask us a question, we want to give you an answer, and we will make something up on the spot and not even know that we made it up. Why did you do that? Um, because my grandma always did that and this is why i do the right we just we we rationalize it to ourselves um and so i you know i i this is always my challenge with playtesting feedback right i try to i try to be sort of in context as much as possible about like why did you make that decision but i often just don't ask those questions because i just know people are accidentally gonna lie right and i try to like intuit it from the moment right when they did it i'm like oh they had three cards left and they did this thing maybe they were feeling low on cards right but um if you ask them why they'll be like because it was an amazing strategic choice that's absolutely it and i was like but it also could have been like i wasn't sure what the number of times i've asked like some like my wife in particular like what what why did you make this move first of all she's like why are you judging me and i'm like i'm not like i want to know why you made it and she's like i honestly wasn't sure what to do so i just did that and i was like yeah that's thank you for the honesty like don't be like because i'm like you i'd be like oh i was like it was strategy got two moves ahead that's what i was doing (laughs) um i do want to say clarence you were like you know being like sometimes you're like i just i i don't like i feel like i have to give feedback but i don't have anything i just like i'm not getting this game or something like i had a thing at pax unplugged i've been waiting for so long to play robbie bergstrom's uh city building game yeah. And like he sat down and I, everything there was just so like sensory overload for like hours. And he starts explaining and I finally was like, dude, I, I can't, I'm so, I cannot play this. I am so sorry. But like, I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I don't know what you're saying. Like, and everyone else played it and got through it. And it was great. But I was like, I, I can't do it. Like, I just like, there's too much happening. And I think that is not the same thing you're talking about, but it's important to be able to say like, you know, I don't know that I have good feedback for this. I I remember a long time ago, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I played uh, a real-time game by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. This is about monster trucks. I, I don't think it ever got published. It got signed, and I think it just never got published. Um, but they had me play it, and they were like, man, this is – we're so excited. Everybody's loving this. They're like, Jason, what do you think? And I was like, I'm the wrong – like, I am really bad at real-time games. Like, and I, uh, I don't have any feedback because I – I'm sure it's great, but I, I don't like it at all. Like I just really felt awful when I played it and that's not your fault. That's my fault. Like, and maybe I should have said that before I played it that I hate real time games. Um, and I've since told people that when they say, can you play this real time game? I'm like, mm, I can, but my feedback's going to be bad. Like, because 
I'm just going to be like, well, I had a lot of anxiety while trying to play this, so it wasn't fun. Um, what do you other players think, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I can ask designers to dig a little deeper on why they felt things and that most designers will mm-hmm. be able and willing to do that dig. I would not dig with the general public. Like, particularly if you sort of see in their eyes that, like, they didn't have a good time. Just be like, thanks so much. Takes note. Did not enjoy. Right. Um, That is something I think, especially when you're talking about the general public, you need to pay attention to. Like, did they, like, did they hate your game? Like, like, because, like, I've said now before, I start playing a game and somebody, like, at an unpub especially, people start playing it and about five minutes and I'm like, they hate this. This is not for them. (laughs) Or I'm like, they don't like this is not the game for them. They don't I had a dad one time try to play this western game I had that like and they sat down and he said, Can we play this? So I said, I don't think your kids are gonna get this. Like, I don't know that you're gonna want them to play it, first of all, because it's just about drinking and shooting each other. But like, if you're okay with that, fine, but I don't think they're going to get it. And they were like, They'll be fine. And like within five minutes, it was like, This is my personal hell. Like they do not get it. And the dad like refused to 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 admit that they didn't get it uh and it was like 30 minutes of i was like okay i think i've got everything i need here great play test you know didn't ask for any feedback you know because you're like you're not going to get it right and i think that in places like unpub you get that like where people just the game just doesn't click for them at all and and this sounds crappy but like i don't think it's worth getting feedback from those people when it doesn't click at all, because the feedback is not going to be in any way useful, likely. In my opinion, tell me why I'm wrong, please. I have people that I'll skip feedback from, right? I, I, I mean, you, I, you can get like, enough. You're on the there. table, Clarence, Jason, uh, Nick. Nope, we're just gonna skip <laughs> you. Um. <laughs> no, but like you know, if if I can tell they didn't have a great time, it's that's fine, right? I also, if they're not, so. I don't, I don't design for kids. I, I don't know what the right stuff is for kids, but my games are playable by, I don't know, like eight and up, 10 and up, right? You know, those sorts of things. And so that's the only, what? <laughs> Jason's laughing. I don't know. Was just, I, don't were, know. I don't know how to design for kids. I don't know what to do for kids. And I'm just yeah. remembering some of the conversations we had around one of your games and you showing me stuff from it. And I was like, I, you're like, I don't know if this is good for kids. And then you're like, well, I guess this image probably isn't very kid friendly that I did put in the game. And so I just, yeah. it, I'm not going to mention anything, but it just made me like, it, it just made me laugh. Sorry. Well, for I mean, you're going to make people think I'm making like pornographic games. Jason. <laughs> make people think that like, that's, <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not. I, I was accidentally advertising smoking to children. I didn't, I, that was, at least not it was cigars, purpose. though. I mean, it was cigars. It was kids getting like Cubans is is not super likely. So yeah, but so so I don't tend to test with kids, and so I tend to run into kids at general public <laughs> events, right? And so for me, that's both a an interesting opportunity to just like I like watch a kid play, and then to go to their parent. How old is this child? Like, <laughs> I can't tell. Um, but also like that's when I find like. Some parents will come up and be like, you know, my kids, you know, this is a kid of a hobby gamer. They're really great at games and I'm watching them and the kid is cheating. And I'm like, I'm not going to ask for feedback, right? This is fine. This kid can do whatever, but like they're, they're not playing by the rules and I'm, I'm not going to keep correcting them. And so I just let them go. That is something you have to watch out for with kids of hobby gamer, like, like especially game designers, kids Mm -hmm. is like asking how old the kid is to get a gauge for your game age is not a good idea because like. (laughs) My kids, I know, and I know other game designers too. Kids like they they play at a level that is usually several years above what the game says they can play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we have other thought? I feel like I had another thought, and I don't remember what it was. Well, one thing I I did think that we should cover maybe at the end. I don't know if you got anything else to talk about, but um, and you kind of touched on it earlier was like for people that maybe are just have their design group and they want to know how do they get general public feet play tests you know where can they look for that that's good yeah yeah where do you look clarence <laughs> since you brought uh, it up 
Well, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, so one place definitely is like the the unpub conventions. Um, the you know, there's the main unpub um, in Baltimore, and then the little unpub rooms in all the not all, but several of the big conventions because those all have general public traffic, right? Like the the main convention, they um, sell three dollar tickets for for playtesters to come in there and play games and stuff. Um, so those are, those are definitely good places to, to start. Um, you can run an unpub mini of your own at like a, a local game shop. That's something like the game designers of North Carolina have done in the past. Um, just, you know, set a date with a, a local shop and say you want, you know, eight tables or whatever it is. And they start advertising in the shop and, um, get, can get a bunch of foot traffic that way. Um, so you're saying start a super well-resourced game design group, <laughs> well-known, uh, with lots and lots of members, no problem then to get, and you were like eight tables. I was like, really? Eight tables? Like, anyways. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I've done or seen done is just like either like look for kind of local organized game, like community game nights. Um, we've had some here local that have, uh, like wanted to feature like these monthly designer nights where a designer will come in and show off one of their games to their kind of their community. Right. Or, um, yeah, I, I talked to, uh, like a board game club at the local university and, and they had a pretty hefty group of people that were interested in playtesting you know, games because they're, they were curious about the whole process of, designing games and wanting to, to talk to a designer and everything. So they were, they were very welcoming to, you know, designers coming and bringing, bringing stuff to them. That is really, really good advice. Like that's, that's stellar. We like, we have game nights. Well, before COVID we had game nights. Uh, we'd like to get back to it. We just, it's been tough, but that was where I would usually at the game night, if I had something, I'd pick a few specific people and be like, Hey, well, everybody else plays this. Why don't y'all come play this? And, um, uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that was useful, right. To get some just public players and they were game players, but they weren't designers. So, yeah, but I really like the idea of local game groups and stuff. What a great, what a great idea. Yeah. I I think that's similar to what I've been trying to do. There's a, a board game store near me that does a monthly, you know, designer night that, A lot of people who show up are not designers, right? And it's been whenever I'm really stuck on a game, Eric's like, you need to go back to that that night because I always get a really ton of great advice or just ideas from having the sort of more general populist players. Um, you know, I'm in Boston and there's a couple things around here so that are sort of organized. But um, if you've got like a board game cafe, I think that's another one to mm-hmm. take a look at. Um, so Night Moves here in Boston organizes some events. Um, and there's actually an event they're doing in April that I'm going to be a part of um, that I got a table at. And I get, you know, six or eight hours of people just who want to go play games um, coming in. And I got my table with two two demos set up and I'll just be playing it all day long. Um, and, you know, that's an event it's organized i I had to pay for a table and stuff like that um but it's useful i do also yeah there's a couple of you know i'm part of a gym that every now and then has a game night so i can like go to that um and i think part of my plan for this year because as i'm getting ready to sort of launch pirates for um uh, crowdfunding and stuff i'm actually trying to engage with like the pirate community and the the tea community and so i'm looking for there's there's i know right amazing it's amazing (laughs) um but there's like there's a pirate festival on cape cod that i'm probably going to go to this summer and whether i get like a booth or just like set up a picnic table and be like want to play a pirate board game um and then i'm like there's a tea shop downtown that i'm like can i can i find a way to play my tea board game at their tea shop so um i don't know i'm starting to try and get creative on that uh but yeah and by that (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) um 
but I mean, yeah, like a demo hall spot at like a PAX Unplugged or something like that, I think could also be, I mean, I, I had a great four hours out on the hall at PAX Unplugged. So um, all of these things I'm realizing cost money. So I'm not good at the free suggestions. <laughs> I know that like the, the local, the local bar or, or board game place, like there was a local yeah. bar where I went in and I, I would frequent there and, uh, and yeah, and they were totally cool about me playing games with people there and testing stuff. And I like brought a few copies of my old games, like, like that, yeah. that I had published and was like, Hey, add these to your library, you know? And they were super cool about it. They were like, here's a free beer and feel free to test stuff. So like, all right, you know? And, um, yeah. So obviously you, you could still pay money to do that by, by beer and stuff, but, um, but yeah, it was I relatively cheap. Yeah, I think the thing, because I've been working on scheduling, like, in-person events with the Game Makers Guild, right? And, like, you know, we've got some that are at board game shops, but, like, they need to be in business, right? They need people who are there buying games or paying for space or, you know, things like that. And same thing with a board game cafe, right? So maybe there's, like, a small cover for people coming in. You know, the playtesters and the designers all pay for a ticket or something like that. But it's i think the best the best idea we've had is organizing something at the public library mm. where they've got mm -hmm. some some rooms available and you could sort it and the rule if it's a library event is that it has to be free to the general public um and so so i think rather than saying you know it's for designers only if you could really say we're going to have a, a a game playing day but they're just all unpublished games that to me feels like the the best path towards something that that not only is free but doesn't to me feel bad like i'm i'm taking space in someone's business that they could be making money off of like that mm -hmm. one for me is a little bit uncomfortable but so. i mean like if you're playing at a board game bar or at a yeah um game store or something you're bringing people in and not all of the people will spend i mean at the bar mm -hmm. they probably will all spend money but at like the mm -hmm. board game shop they may not all spend money but it's clientele that if yeah. any of them spend money, you've brought them there to spend money, you know, and you're not taking up that much space. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, I think I covered all the topics I had. Clarence, I'm looking at you for last. Uh, I, I, I'm good. Uh, Jason was the one that said he had the, he wanted to go last or have you already Kind of well, said I've stuff. I've thrown stuff in all the time. Like, and yeah. besides, I can't top anything you two have said because it's <laughs> so smart um, that I just try to be funny sometimes and hope that it just help, looks like I'm smart. So you know, it's my that's my plan most of the time. Um, yeah, no, this was a fun topic. I uh, I think that it's something that is worth you know people realizing, especially when you're new uh, at this or you're struggling with feedback and trying to you know figure out how to get actionable feedback and, and what to do with it and you know understanding the differences if it if you haven't you know kind of caught that on your own like it's super duper helpful to know that right and what to expect and and um to build off that and obviously i think you know talking about this more in the discord is great because this is something that literally affects every single person designing games <laughs> you know yeah uh and also people who are playing games and uh and giving feedback right uh, sometimes you just say no notes, get your game published. So yeah. And here's a publisher. Let and me introduce you to them and walk you across Sign the this room. contract. Mm -hmm. You're all set. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, Clarence uh, is going to pitch a game. Uh, it is a heavy Euro and uh, <laughs> I have no notes because I'm bad at heavy Euros. So yeah. my note is I was bad at this game. You probably noticed. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so I have a game that should be coming out later this year called Ultimate Dibs, uh, and I describe it as an area control party game, if that makes any sense at all. Mm -hmm. um, the the way it works is that it's a, a team versus team game, and you have a deck of um, category cards, categories of things. So this might be like sharp things or round things or things in the ocean or um, things that start with P, or things that are, are um, like five-letter words, right? All these different kinds of categories. 
Um, and the way the game works is that you deal out a four by four grid uh, of these category cards in the middle of the table, have one team on either side of the table, uh, and then each team takes uh, turns uh, with one person being the, the active player, and then they're going to try and name something that is in as many of those categories as possible, or possibly in certain categories. Um, and so you you would do that. You would say, like, you know, a, a dragon is a fantasy thing, and it is a thing with sharp teeth, and it is a thing that starts with a D, right? Um, and so those cards that are on the table for, for each of those categories that you name, you would then put a control token for your team on those spaces. So you now control... Um, that space. Uh, and then you would take those cards away and deal out new category cards. You never do the same category twice. Uh, and then the other team gets a chance to do the same thing and, uh, you know, they can uh, take control away from stuff that you've already controlled, that basically flip control to their team. But if you ever uh, already have control of a space and then you uh, name it the category in that space again, then you lock control of that space permanently for the rest of the game. Nice. Uh, and the way you win is by getting three in a row uh, locked for your team. That's cool. That is cool. This sounds fun. I want to play this game. Yeah. This is an, uh, an interesting um, kind of in the, um, the topic uh, that we're talking about today, the feedback from designers and feedback from the general public. I actually got pretty wildly different feedback on this game. It sounds like a game that. you would, yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah, because part of the, the main thing that designers and, and more like hardcore gamers bounce off of is that there is a, a challenge system, right? Like if you say a, um, this is funny, uh, there was a playtest that I did with J-Bell where there was this whole um, argument about a, whether a phoenix is a soft thing or not. <laughs> Um, and so th that's the kind of thing where like, there's not a clear answer. Right. And so the way it's resolved is that everybody at the table has to just vote thumbs up mm. or thumbs down if they agree that uh, a thing fits in that category. Um, but like the hardcore gamers are like, why wouldn't I just always vote for my team? Why right. would I ever vote what I truly believe? You know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> whereas like the, the casual gamers and, and this, I saw personally and have confirmed with my publisher running their own play test. They have no problem with that. that. That's just part of the fun for them. They think it's hilarious to vote stuff up or down They're They're not trying so hard to win that they can't vote against their own team. And mm -hmm. the game only works if you're willing to like vote your, your true heart and vote against your team. <laughs> you vote with your heart. <laughs> right. <laughs> that like sounds that. super funny. Yeah. I think that, um, I've heard people say before with party games like that, like if, if somebody is that worried about the score and who's winning, then you're, then the game's not working. Right. Cause like you want to win, but like, like you said, you gotta be willing to vote against your own team. If it makes more sense that way, you know, mm -hmm. um, those are the people you want playing that game. And I think that's, you're going to get people that are going to do that. Right. Like that'll vote against their own team because it's just, because a Phoenix is soft. Darn it. I felt the feathers. It's soft. <laughs> Exactly. So is there a two-player mode to this game? So I, I have played it two players. In theory, it works at two players, but again, it, it requires enough self-awareness to be able to yeah. like vote against yourself if the other person convinces you that you're wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoyed playing a lot of, uh, like, the, was it Codenames Duet? There was like a two-player version of Code Names that I'm like. Is that good? Just I've never fun. tried that. I I liked it. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, this sounds I don't know. This sounds fun to do, uh, two-player to me. Uh, just because I mostly play games two-player, so I'm always yeah, looking yeah. for a two-player game. But yeah, no, I'm excited. So it's available sometime this year, maybe. That is the plan. All right. <laughs> Sweet. I feel like the two-player variant of that game is. You either have to be willing to say that you're wrong and vote against yourself or go to bed angry. Like, those are well, the so, options there. So, I mean, Duet turns it into a co-op game, right? It's, it's one right, team right, versus, right. yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe you could play it 1v1. 
1v1 dibs, 1v1 ultimate dibs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I, I've done. And, yeah. like, I'm fine with it. But I've definitely had people be like, I don't understand why I would ever do this. This makes no sense to me. <laughs> that sounds like the person who played um, Sushi After Dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you would think about it and you'd be like, is it soft or not? And you'd be right. like, well, it is soft. So, One thing that's fun that you can do with this is uh, you can have just extraneous people that aren't even playing the game vote. Like yes. some random people walking by like, hey, you, what do you think about this? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's how you get playtesters. You just yeah. uh, you start playing that, and they're like, "Oh, you you want to try this? Yeah, sit down. Yeah, you right. can play. You're playing now." <laughs> I, I'm just imagining all the like uh, parties that I end up where like there's some people playing a game in one room, and a bunch of other people standing around in the kitchen eating chips, and just someone yelling, "Hey, yes or no? Phoenix, soft? No?" And like the whole kitchen exactly. being like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, that's, yeah. that's what I think would make for, I haven't seen that happen very often, but yeah. those are, those are cool moments. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. Awesome. Y'all. Well, yeah. So I'll uh, be looking out for that game. It sounds fun. And uh, yeah. Well, thank you too, for being willing to uh, hang out tonight. Um, is there uh specific ways you want to tell people to get a hold of you players? Out there um, in the internets, I, I'm uh, I'm still on the Twitters as Stoic Hamster um, on Blue Sky, occasionally same same name. Uh, those are probably two best ways to to find me. Ed Clarence is on our Discord, so dropping wisdom all the time. <laughs> um, I guess it's me. Uh, you can find me at Emily Keeps Kitties on blue sky and instagram and discord i don't know you i'm on twitter somewhere it's a different username so <laughs> find me on one of those <laughs> emily keeps kitties doesn't fit on twitter so x right. sorry whatever it is right. um but yeah or check out my website website pinkhawkgames.com that is cool um my daughter approved of your website by the way Sweet. she thought your logo was cool so uh all right, yeah, if you want to find me, just go to the Discord. That's the easiest place. But if you want to find the podcast, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to, hey, guess what, our Discord. Or you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but, of course, the easiest thing that we remind you every single week is that you can keep coming back every single week. And until every single week, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game, with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.